You can be seated. I'm just going to jump right into our new series that we're starting tonight. You know, we just wrapped up Love Like Jesus for the last three weeks. But our new series that we're starting tonight is called Miracles Happen. Somebody say that. Miracles Happen. Miracles Happen. I'm just going to start the series off by saying that I believe in miracles. For many people, miracles are nothing more than modern myths. Uh, they believe that they exist but are hesitant to admit when one has actually happened. In fact, they polled Americans and no matter the age group, uh, the overwhelming majority, in fact, around 80% of Americans do believe in miracles. And yet, when someone claims they have received a miracle, there's a, a, a healthy amount of skepticism when people are confronted with the supernatural. And so I just want to say that miracles are a part of the DNA of faith. In fact, I don't believe that you can open your Bible and turn but just a few pages without running across miracle after miracle. Miracles are a part of the DNA of faith. And the pages of Scripture are filled with instances and occurrences of God intervening in the affairs of man with His divine power. Miracles are defined as a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. And so um, miracles are not the things that we often call miracles. Someone throws a Hail Mary pass at the last second. It's a miracle. <laughs> Our team won. No. That was a coincidence and an occasion where skill met up with opportunity, but it wasn't a miracle. People catch Hail Marys all the time. A half-court shot at the last second thrown over the back. You can go on YouTube and see some incredible just miracle shots, but that's not the kind of miracles that I'm talking about. You know, not everything you call a miracle is a miracle, like when your ugly cousin gets a date and everybody says, it's a miracle. <laughs> not the kind of miracles we're talking about. They are moments of divine intervention, moments where God intercedes and intervenes in the affairs of man and by his divine power accomplishes something that we are not able to do in and of ourselves and that there is not another or natural explanation of. And so God is a God of miracles and really he is the God who created the heavens and earth by the power of and authority of his spoken word. The fact that we are here and that we live in the world we live in is because of the miraculous, the supernatural acting upon the natural. That's a miracle. And so he is the same God who made man from the dust, the God who opened up the Red Sea and dried up the waters of Jordan. He is the God who continuously saved his people and preserved his plan and purpose among men by knocking down the walls of Jericho, by sending angel armies to back up um, his people. He's the same God who opened up the, the Red Sea. Uh, he's the same God that healed lepers and opened blinded eyes and, and blinded open eyes. He's that God, the God who constantly is intervening in the affairs of his people. And all throughout Scripture you will find a God who was not hesitant to tip the scales 
in his people's favor by doing miraculous things. In fact, there are so many miracles in the Bible that some are taken granted, uh, for, are taken for granted because they are not fully highlighted. Listen to this. There are 83 miracles recorded in the Old Testament. 83 miracles. And more than 80 miracles found in the New Testament. The New Testament records 37 miracles performed by Jesus alone. And that's only what they wrote down. Because John tells us that if they had told it all, all the pages of the books uh, that are in the world could not uh, contain the miracles that Jesus did. We have approximately 163 miracles in the scripture, over 66 books. It was a fact that God is constantly intervening in the lives of his people. And there is no doubt that miracles happen in the scripture. And so we believe that miracles happen today. Amen? The Bible says that he is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there are people who do not believe that God does miracles anymore. But we believe in miracles here. We believe that you can receive them on a Wednesday, on a Sunday, on a Tuesday, driving in your car, touching heaven. We believe in the miraculous. And so in this series, we're going to talk about four different kinds of miracles. Miracles of deliverance. Somebody say deliverance. Miracles of healing. Say healing. Miracles of protection. Somebody say protection. We need protection. And miracles of provision. And so our hope through this series is that we will awaken your faith to be able to receive everything that God has for you. We want you to be ready for a miracle to happen in your life. I kept thinking about that old song, are you ready for a miracle? Ready as I can be. That's what we want you to be after all this. Ready as you can be to receive a miracle from God. And so tonight, we're just going to dive right in the deep end. I've been excited about this all day. Actually, for, for weeks now, we've known the series we're going to do. I was looking forward to this night, and I hope that when it all worked out, I got to teach this night. Because we're going to talk tonight about miracles of deliverance. Somebody say miracles of deliverance. Amen. We're not talking about the movie with the two guys in the canoe. Amen. Miracles of deliverance. We're going to spend a few minutes looking at miracles of deliverance because these are the kind of miracles that scare folks to death. Scare people to death. We all love the money miracles, right? Let it rain, Lord. We love the healing miracles. I want to rise up and walk, Jesus. We love the protection. God, stop it. God blocked it. We love those, but not the spooky miracles. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about apostolic ghost stories. I'm talking about demons. And uh, I, always, I always laugh when we start talking about demon stories around the house. Jocelyn be like, don't talk about that. I won't be able to sleep tonight. So this is just a disclaimer. Amen. You got to walk out of here in authority tonight and take... Take authority over your sleep time tonight if you scare easily. I'm just playing. I'm not going to scare you. But uh, I, I want to talk to us about deliverance in the Scripture. All throughout Scripture, Jesus had a deliverance ministry. It was very common for him to interact with the demonic influences that are active in our world today. And so I, I want to start off by saying that one of the greatest tricks that the devil ever pulled is convincing people that he is not real. 
This is not the kind of sermon that you're going to hear at a lot of churches, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it. There are a lot of Pentecostal folks that don't want to talk about it. But demonic influence and demonic possession is just as real today as it was back in the Bible. It's just as real today as it was back then. And we can we could spend weeks upon weeks teaching and delving into this subject. But all you really need to know is Ephesians 6.12 says it this way. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Somebody say the unseen world. A lot of people want to go to church and they want to get practical tips. Seven steps on how to live as a Christian. But this is what Paul writes to us in Ephesians, that we are engaged in a battle against evil rulers and authorities. King James says it this way, and I like it a little bit better, principalities and powers and spiritual darkness in high places. Authorities of the unseen world. We fight against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Hell has waged a war on every Christian that puts on salvation. Hell is against everyone that carries the name of Jesus. And so we may not realize it. We may not want to talk about it. We may not want to think about it. But we are dealing with an unseen realm outside of the laws of nature. Outside of what we can see and observe in most cases and I'm here to tell you that miracles of deliverance occur in the supernatural. I love talking about the supernatural because so many people are scared of it. It's, it's really not, um, it's not seeker friendly when you bring a guest to church. If you're a guest here tonight, we love you and we welcome you. We don't always talk about demons, but we're not afraid to either. Everybody's like, oh, please don't preach on something crazy when my friends come. I used to be that guy. Growing up, I just said, Lord, just don't let them shout too hard tonight. I'm bringing a friend, you know. Don't scare them off. And sometimes that's how we are about demonic influences and forces. But, but the reality is we're dealing with the unseen realm. And the devil wants to convince people that he's really not a big deal anymore. That he really doesn't exist. Demonic Influence wants to appear as mainstream thinking in our world today. I could preach the whole message just on this. But that is the reality that, that the ideas that we come up with, uh, uh, up against in the world, and the doctrines that we come up against in this world, and the philosophies that we come up against in this world are not of a natural origin. They are supernatural, and they are deceiving lies that are portrayed by the enemy of our soul. And so the devil would love for you to believe that he does not exist, that his demons don't exist, and that there is no supernatural reality. You just have to follow the correct steps to be a good Christian, and everything will work out. And, and the reality is we have a spiritual warfare to fight. Amen? But growing up, we didn't have the luxury of believing that the devil didn't exist. We didn't have that luxury. I grew up in the San Antonio area of South Texas, and it's an area, you may not know this, it's an area that is known for witchcraft. The highest per capita amount of witches of any area in the nation were in San Antonio. And so, um, as a result, our church, you know, we just never had nice church. We try to come and have nice church, you know, just... 
keep it good and simple for everybody, not scare anybody off. And before you knew it, we had people foaming and eyes rolling back and devils manifesting. Yeah, we did. We didn't have the luxury. I was about seven years old the first time that I was introduced to somebody with a demon being cast out. And here's how it happened. Somebody grabbed me by the nap of the neck and they said, go to the fellowship hall. I'm like, why? What did I do? You know? <laughs> and they snatched up every kid up out of the sanctuary. It was on a Wednesday night, believe it or not. And they put us all in the, in the fellowship hall. We got back and one of the Sunday school teachers was back there. It's okay, everybody. It's okay. Everything's fine. When they say that, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Trust me, it's not. If they snatch up all the kids and put them in a room, <laughs> everything's okay. No, it's not. Now we worry about active shooters. Back then it was active frothers and foamers, right? They put us in the back and they said, y'all just pray. And, and we had Sister Paula Andrews. She was my best friend's mom. She would speak in tongues. We'd be riding down the road. She'd start speaking in tongues and scare us half to death because it came out of nowhere. And Sister Paula was in there praying over us, interceding over us. She was serious. And so we got serious. We were looking around. What is going on? What's happening? They said, there's a young lady with a demon being cast out. And they quoted us, I mean, six, seven years old, they quoted us the scripture that when a, a demon leaves a human spirit, it seeks a dry place. And so they said, just say the name of Jesus over and over again. I don't know what the theology is on that, but I wasn't going to risk it, you know. <laughs> Jesus, 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 Jesus. Can we, can we quit yet? No, she's still foaming. <laughs> Help me, Lord. I've been excited about this. <laughs> I love these kind of stories. We didn't have the luxury of believing that the devil wasn't real. Not at my church. I was 14 years old and already called to preach and on fire for God. And I stepped up to a young lady in the altar and I laid hands on her. And when I did, I, I felt like something was choking me. And I stepped back and I said, what just happened? I felt sick to my stomach. My father happened to be right behind me, our, our pastor, and he whispered in my ear and he said, that young lady is demon possessed, now I want you to step back. I said, you want me to what? <laughs> he said, I want you to step back up to her, speak to it in the authority of the name of Jesus and cast it out. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know how you don't really want to touch something? <laughs> I timidly stepped back up and I started praying, but I felt the Holy Ghost hit. And I started speaking in the authority of the name, and the young lady began to cough, and, and her eyes were rolling back in her head. And pretty soon, she, that, that broke off of her, and she began to praise, and pure worship, tears began to flow down her face, and she began to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and she was delivered from demonic possession. I asked my dad later, I said, Dad, what, what was happening there? How, how did you know? He said, Son, I just discerned it. And he said, What, what I discerned is that this young lady has been involved in uh, divination, and, and she has been involved in all this kind of fortune telling and all this world uh, of witchcraft. Her mother's very involved with it. And, and that's why she had the issue that she had. And I said, okay. But it happened fairly often in our church. And it was, it was a common occurrence of people coming out of the world and, um, um, and, and, and being delivered from devils. And it's still a real thing. It's Mark 16 says it's one of the signs that shall follow them that believe, is they shall 
cast out devils in my name. Now listen, this is the part where the coffee drinking, seeker friendly, hipster style Christians will get up and go slip out the back for another uh, coffee. Because <laughs> there's a lot of Christians that just don't want to deal with this reality. But demon oppression and demon possession are real. And the ministry of Jesus was marked by miracles of deliverance. Mary Magdalene had seven devils cast out of her before she became the worshiping Mary that we know. The demoniac of Gadara fell at Jesus' feet, speaking with demonic tones before he was delivered by Jesus. And the ministries of the apostles even carried forth this deliverance, miraculous ministry. Paul arrived at a certain place and there was a young lady that came who was used in fortune telling and, and, and um, false prophecies and, and all of these different things. And she began to follow them around and say, these men are the men of the most high God. And, and it sounds like she's complimenting. She follows them around in Acts 14 for many days. And finally, I love the NKJV. It says, Paul, greatly annoyed. He's sick of it. <laughs> this devil needs to shut up right now. He's tired of it. He turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Deliverance is a miracle. It is the supernatural acting upon the human soul. And Mark 16 says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Can I just take a quick poll? How many of you have ever seen or experienced or or been around something like that, a, d a demonic possession or oppression. Amen. Many, many across this room have. And so um, I, I want to talk for a few minutes. What, what is a demon? Let's, let's dispel some things that maybe are misunderstood. Some people believe that a demon is a spirit of a dead person who was bad. So, you know, Hitler's a, a demon now. And, you know, that, that it's the mean lady that used to live at this house and she become a demon. That's, that's not what a demon is. Uh, the spirit of the departed are, are not demons, okay? So what are demons? Demons are actually fallen angels. In Isaiah 14, um, the scripture refers to Lucifer saying, I will be like God and, and, and in heaven lifted himself up. Listen, Isaiah 14, 12 says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And I will also sit on the mount of congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. And scripture says to him, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. So you have Satan who, um, Lucifer who um, exalted himself to try to become like God. Revelation 12 gives us further insight in the war that happened in the eternal realm of heaven. And uh, Revelation 12 says the, the great dragon's tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth he might devour her child. Now some of you are saying, well, the dragons and stars, what does all that mean? Here's the thing, is stars are often used in Jewish literature symbolically to refer to angels. Since both the stars and the angels in different senses can be called the host of heaven. And so Revelations 12 tells us that that great dragon is Satan. 
and that he drew from the heavens a third of the stars, which are the angelic host. Uh, Revelations 12, 7 says, The war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them. Somebody say them. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the dragon was cast out, that old serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so there's one devil, one Satan, right? And there are many demons. Satan happens to be the highest in rank, but he is not the opposite of God. Not even close. One devil, many demons. And so demons are spirits, just like the Bible says of angels being ministering spirits sent forth uh, to work on behalf of those who are saved. Demonic spirits are the exact opposite. They are um, satanic spirits that are sent forth to, to remove us from the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, and to deliver our soul to hell. They are precisely the opposite in their purpose and mission than the angels of the Most High God. And so there are two big mistakes we make about devils. And I'm going to tell you what they are. Is one, we overemphasize demonic influence. We call them devil hunters. Is their car won't start and they're like, man, a devil done got in my engine. You ran out of gas. That devil just siphoned all of my gas out. It was the devil that did it. <laughs> we overemphasize. Some of us, they're looking for a devil under every stump, right? A demon under every rock. I don't have no money because the devil been fighting me. No, you just spent it all. That wasn't his fault. You got the checkbook. <laughs> I bought three outfits, a purse, and a vacation to the beach, but the devil done took my money. Not every problem is caused by the devil. Sometimes we tend to overemphasize and give Satan credit for things that he didn't even do. He didn't make you eat the whole pizza. It's not his fault that you're overweight. <laughs> he didn't do that. Not everything is a devil. But here's the other problem, and probably the bigger problem when it comes to dem uh, demonic influences and forces, is we underemphasize demonic influence. Not every problem comes from demonic influence, but more problems than we realize are caused by forces of darkness because demons attack in a number of ways and there are examples provided in the Bible and they include physical Ill illness mental impairment the spread of false doctrine spiritual warfare unanswered prayers Daniel prayed for 21 days and Michael the archangel came to him later and said Daniel I was sent the first day that you began to pray but I had to prevail because the forces of hell were fighting me from delivering the answer to your prayer sometimes when we pray and we don't see an answer right away it's not because God hasn't heard us it's not because God hasn't granted our request and our petition it's because there is war happening in the supernatural over what we've been praying about that's Bible 
Sometimes we underemphasize demonic influence. And uh, possession, of course, is one of those influences. Demon possession and demon oppression. And so um, there are some demonic practices that invite these things and invoke demonic activity outlined throughout scriptures. There's divination, which is fortune or future telling. There's necromancy, which is communicating with the dead. There is the practice of magic, of lying wonders. I'm not talking about pulling a rabbit out of a hat, but people who cast spells and try to practice magic. There is sorcery, um, which is communing and conspiring with demons against others. There's witchcraft, which is one who makes use of magic and sorcery to accomplish the will of demons. And there is astrology. Um, Contemporary astrology is actually a combination of astrological cults that were practicing in Babylon and Egypt and Canaan. And there's worship centered around idolatry, uh, the golden calf, child sacrifices to Molech, and Baal worship were all a part of Canaanite astrology. And so the Old Testament is very clear on these things that there are demonic influences and forces at work in our world. And they are real. They are real. This is where I resist all the stories that are just in the back of my head. Because, I mean, we had so many crazy things and attacks and and different things happen at our church that they just sound crazy. But they were demonic in nature. Attacks upon um, my, my dad as the pastor, letters sent and spells cast and all, all sorts of different things that are at work against the believer. You see, demons are real. Does anybody believe that? Demons, what do they do? Demons tempt you to sin. Somebody say they tempt us. 2 Timothy 2.26 says they will come to their senses. Uh, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Satan and his demons want to capture your will to do their will. They want to bind you up and trap you into a way of thinking and into a lifestyle. Uh, style. And, and listen, demons will talk to you. What do they say? They tell you, go ahead, you deserve it. Go ahead and watch that. Go ahead and touch it. Go ahead, smoke it, drink it, shoot it, take it. You won't get caught. It's not a big deal. Everyone does it. Does it really matter to God? Satan and his demons will talk to you, to tempt you. And we can, by giving in to temptation, we are putting ourselves captive to the will of our enemy. And so demons will tempt you. And so sometimes when temptations arise in your life and you don't know where they came from and and these things come along, you've got to have spiritual discernment to recognize that I am under spiritual attack and so I need to put on the whole armor of God. I need to stand in the day that the enemy attacks me. I need to put on the helmet of salvation to protect my thoughts. I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart. I need to raise up the shield of my faith. I need to wield the sword of the spirit. I need to protect myself because the enemy will attack me by trying to tempt me. Not only that, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on on all of this because I want to get to the good part about how we win. But demons will distract you from God's will. 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. 
We see this so prevalent in our culture today. How many of you ever heard someone say this? Well, you know, all roads really lead to God. It's all, all religion's really the same. You're listening to a devil. <laughs> That's the devil. It's not Jesus. You know, a little Buddhism, a little New Age mixed in, a little Christianity, a little witchcraft. You know, it, it's all the same really, isn't it? Just whatever. You find your truth. You find your truth. You speak your truth. Anybody ever heard someone say that? Timothy was told by Paul that some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Is there are doctrines of devils. And, and not everything that everybody has to say about the Bible is from God. Amen. It's real. And, and so, uh, you know, demons will teach things. And, and, and you'll find these ideas that rise up and are prevalent in culture that pull us away from the integrity of the scripture. Like, you don't really need church. You don't really need all those people. You just love Jesus and just believe in Jesus and everything will be okay. Then why did they write all this stuff? Neglect not the assembling of yourselves together, such as the manner of some is. Listen, there are doctrines of devils. Make your own path. Do it your own way. You just do your best and God will make up everything else. Listen, we want you to do your best. And God can, in His grace, cover you. But you can't live for Jesus on your own terms. You've got to give your life away. If any man will follow me, he must deny himself. There are doctrines of devils. So false belief and deception are a primary tool that Satan and his demons use in this age. So listen, test everything. Somebody say everything. Test everything against scripture. Does what I'm feeling or what they're saying line up with what the scripture says? Because listen, if Satan can deceive you and distract you from the truth, he does not need to tempt you or to attack you because you've already lost the battle. Deception can feel a whole lot like revelation when it comes to you. And demons interact with your spirit to distract you from God's will and to deceive you from God's truth. And listen, it always isn't a false doctrine. Sometimes it's just a false hope. Sometimes it's a false pursuit. It's just something else that he will insert into your life and you kind of already have a, a liking to it or a passion for it. And so they will coax you to follow after things that are not conducive to your calling. And ultimately in favor of your purpose. And so demons will distract you and deceive you. And finally, demons will inflict suffering. How many of you knew this? Demons will actually physically impact you. Matthew 17, 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. And he all falls into the fire or into the water. And going on down, Jesus said, bring the boy to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. How many of you didn't know that demons can make you sick? Demons can make you sick. They can do that. Because Satan's mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so demons may influence depression, suicidal thoughts, feelings of desperation, all of those things. Well, listen, in Luke 13, Jesus runs into this lady who has bent over. For many, many years, she has been bent over and having back problems. She has a bent back. And Jesus 
begins to deal with her and heals her. And he casts out of her a spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity. Her problem wasn't in her spine. It wasn't in the muscles in her back. It was in the spirit realm. It was supernatural. And so the only way that she could be free is for a supernatural miracle to take place in her life. And Jesus cast that spirit out of her and immediately she was able to stand up straight again. Listen, demons want to destroy your marriage. They want to ruin your testimony. They want to wreck your finances. They want to steal your joy. They want to obliterate your health. And they want to crush your children and make them just like the world. Because demons inflict suffering. But here is the good news tonight. Is that you have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. You have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. At 14 years old, I didn't know enough to get myself out of bed hardly. I, I didn't know anything about spirit, the spirit realm or any studies. I couldn't quote a Jewish scripture. But when it came time, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I stepped up and laid hands on a young lady and spoke in the authority, not of the name of Rory Chance, but in the name of Jesus Christ. And she was delivered because we have miraculous authority in the name of Jesus Christ over spiritual darkness. Somebody say, I have authority. We are not fighting with our own power. We have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 10, Jesus calls his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Authority. By what name? The name of Jesus. And so listen, here's the difference between power and authority. A police officer has the authority to pull you over in your car. Right? Because they got the lights and the badge. I, I saw Brother Justin up there. He, he will back me up on this legal matter. But they have the authority. They don't really have the power because if I'm driving 70 and they stood in the middle of the highway and I didn't let off the gas, they don't have the power to stop me. But they have the authority to stop me. Right? And so that's the difference between power and authority. But listen to this. When we are born again of water and of spirit, there are two things that we gain. We gain, we put on the name that is above every other name, right? We put on the name of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus' name, baptism, matters. We put on the name of Jesus Christ because we receive the authority of God when we are born again of water and of spirit. But we don't just receive the authority. When we are born of the spirit, the Bible says, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive what? Power. That is dunamis. And so through the spirit, we have the power, and through the name, we have access to the authority. And so we don't do it in ourselves. God is a miraculous God who gives you authority over spiritual darkness. No wonder Peter could say to the lame man, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and his legs would be healed. It wasn't because Peter had any greater power than you and I have. It's because he had the authority of the name of Jesus to perform the miraculous. And so Peter just stepped out in faith and exercised the authority that's in the name of Jesus. You see, it's hard for us to remember sometimes that 
we're, we're just trying to get through the week and pay bills and dishes and, and mow our yards and do all the things that we need to do. But sometimes we don't recognize spiritual opposition when it comes. Some problems aren't normal problems. And so we have to learn to pray to discern when it is a spiritual problem. We don't assume that every problem is a result of demonic influence. But listen, don't assume that every problem is not a result of demonic influence. We have to learn to discern because we live not just in the natural, but we, through the new birth, are alive to the supernatural. And so how, how do I balance these things? It's not an either-or thing. It's a both-and. Listen, if I'm battling anxiety, listen, go see a doctor. Go see a professional. Do that. But also pray in the name of Jesus for healing. Pray in the name of Jesus and take authority over your mind. Cast down imaginations and every thought that exalts itself against the mind of God. If I'm having emotional suffering, yes, go see a counselor. We believe in that. But also pray for deliverance from spiritual attack. Pray that your spirit would be completely submitted and protected by the hand of God. If you have a child rebelling, by all means, take their phone. Monitor their friends. But don't you forget to get down on your knees and cover them with the blood of Jesus and pray the godly influence over their life. I pray most mornings. I, sometimes I forget, but I pray almost every morning, God, let angels encamp around my kids today. Lord, let them cut off every demonic influence and attack at the past, Lord. We have authority in the name of Jesus over every spiritual attack and darkness that is in this world. Somebody said, we've got it. And so we got to learn to pray. I take authority in the name of Jesus. I take authority in the name of Jesus. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but there was, there was one night when I was a young preacher. I'd just become a youth pastor. I was laying asleep in bed. And, and uh, I, I, I woke up and I saw a dark cloud over my bed. Some of y'all are like, all right, now it's your way to check out. <laughs> I saw it, I, I, and I, I kept blinking because I was like I got gunk in my eyes you know but I felt I felt a spirit in the room and all of a sudden I tried to speak and it was like my lips were glued shut and inside of my head I began to pray and I just begin to say oh God I don't, I don't know what this is but I, Lord I come against it and I rise against it right now in the name of Jesus and I just kept repeating that name over and over inside of my head until finally it broke and when it broke I spoke the name of Jesus out loud and something broke in that room. The cloud just dissipated and disappeared and I woke up and I got down and I prayed for a while. Listen, demonic influence and oppression is real, but we don't have to fear it. We don't have to be afraid of it. In fact, I heard a preacher, I'm going to share this. We're getting the, the hooky spooky, but I'm going to share this. It was actually Brother Stone King was preaching. Shortly after that, I, I heard Brother Stone King preaching and he shared the same experience that he had uh, woken up with that, and he, he, he experienced it about five or six nights in a row. And every time he would speak the name of Jesus, it would quit and it would go. The Bible says demons flee at the mention of the name of Jesus. But he, he said, Lord, I want you to show me and reveal to me what's happening. And so he said the next night it happened again, and he, he turned and he looked, and, and the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw this little midget spirit, this little weakling spirit, walk in the room and come by 
his bed and put his hand on his arm and he felt that same thing that he fell. And he asked, Lord, what is this? And he said, this is just an intimidating spirit. It has no power over you. It has no authority over you. And so you just take authority over it for a final time in the name of Jesus and cast it out of here. And Brother Stone King did that. He said he never had that happen to him again. Because once the fear is gone, their power over you is gone. And listen to me, I, I, I'm not saying this to scare anybody, but, but we need a revelation that miracles happen, that we have supernatural power. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual darkness in high places. And so we have to learn to rise up in the spirit and take the authority of the name of Jesus. And listen, around these altars, people can be delivered from demonic influence and oppression. People can be delivered from addiction right here. Demons of addiction, they can be delivered in this church if the believers and the saints of God will not be afraid and will just stand up and speak it. Amen? How many of y'all believe that? Listen, I want to share this. This wasn't in my notes. I didn't plan on saying this. But I want to encourage you, the next time you feel like something like that is happening and you feel something in you saying you need to step up and speak to it and say in the name of Jesus, do not fear. Do not hold back. Step up in faith and speak the word of faith. And in the authority of the name of Jesus, we have power over these spiritual attacks and these enemies. For we are not fighting flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, Paul said, put every piece of God's armor on so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil and then after the battle you will stand firm we've got to learn to put on the armor of God the whole armor of God don't leave any of it out we've got to put on the whole armor of God and exercise the authority and the power in the name of Jesus because God still does these kinds of miracles miracles happen miracles happen and greater is the one who is in you. How many have been Holy Ghost filled? Amen. How many of you have been set free from some stuff? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to close tonight. I want to ask our ushers to go ahead and come forward. We're going to receive our tithe and offering. This series is going to be fantastic. You're going to hear some crazy stories in this series you're going to hear great stories of healing of protection and provision but understand this there is a spiritual reality that we need to reconnect with for we we are mighty we are mighty in the power of the holy ghost the bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds go ahead and receive our tithe and offering ushers i appreciate it why don't we just uh, lift our hands and don't close your eyes because the plate's coming by but let's lift our hands and pray Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy tonight. We thank you for your word, Lord. We walk in your authority and in the power of your name, God. We ask you to bless our giving tonight, to bless the tithing and offering. God, we pray that a ministry of deliverance and miracles of deliverance would happen in our families, God, among this church, in these altars, God. We pray that you would do it according to your will in the name of Jesus. How many of you want to see the power of God hit this place? Amen. Somebody say, I will not be afraid. Amen. The enemy trades on our fear, but when we stand in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need. 
everything that we need to see God do the miraculous. This is probably going to scare some of you, but I've been praying, Lord, let us see that in our church. Amen. Let's put the devil on notice. How many of y'all want to just go ahead and do that? We're putting the devil on notice, not here. You're not going to come in this house and not have some trouble. In the name of Jesus, God, we take authority in the spirit tonight. We take authority in the Holy Ghost, God. And we speak to demonic spirits that they be removed and cast out, God. We pray there would be a release of spiritual power in this house tonight in the name of Jesus, God. For we are your children, washed by your blood, filled with your spirit. And God, you've clothed us with authority and power through the new birth. And God, we rise up to fight against every enemy attacking our home, attacking our mind, attacking our family, attacking our heart, attacking our affections. Lord, we speak to them and serve notice that they shall not continue and they shall not succeed in what they've set their mind to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And everybody said amen.